Well, God's going to be honored that day. <laughs> so, uh, honestly, uh, man, I, it's probably the day I look the most forward to. It's such a great, great time. And there's a great amount of spiritual content, believe it or not, too. It's just a great day of worship. So I hope that you'll be thinking about who you might want to invite to join you that day. As you leave, uh, the worship team's going to be out in the lobby with lots of these tickets and we just kind of use these as invitations so take as many as you want pass them out to friends and family and then invite them to be here the super bowl got pushed back a week as you may know it's not the first sunday usually it is the first sunday of february this year it's the second sunday on the 13th so and and i i may be buying a Bengals jersey to wear which i am super excited about if you watched any of that game last night but uh, we're really looking forward to Super Sunday. Hope you're going to be here. And, you know, we just finished up, uh, if you were participating with this, in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I hope that was a great, a really great experience for you. And, and the whole reason that we did, and I tried to say this every week, was that we didn't want it to be some legalistic thing. I would talk to people that say, oh, shoot, I forgot to do the, you know, whatever we were supposed to do that day. And, oh, so I guess I'll just drop out. And I said, no, just... Just get back with it because the whole point of it was to help us to kind of to just get a little bit oriented toward the Lord and, and also to realize that we, we can make the time and we can make the space to improve our walk with God. And that's really the big idea, the big you know, thought for today, if you will, is that you can control your life and, and you can improve your walk with God. You absolutely have more control than you think you might have. And, but the problem is a lot of us, we live with a, a defeatist attitude of, you know, by the time I hit the floor in the morning, I, I get up and I put my feet on the floor and I'm already, I'm already defeated in my own mind. I say, I just don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the patience for whatever it is. I, I can't improve anything around me. You know, I, and I've, I've said this before, when I was younger and, and, and still today to some degree, I was, I was a runner. I would like to run 5Ks and, and different things like that. And, and the one thing that I have struggled with once or twice, but I, I've learned pretty quickly, is uh, if I'm ever running, and let's say you, you run by a storefront, and you kind of, you know, you got the glass windows, and you can see your reflection. Occasionally, I would run past and kind of notice myself and look and kind of see, you know, what am I doing, looking at my stride or whatever. That's a good way to fall. And I, I have fallen by doing that before. You know, if you've ever run on a treadmill, that's dangerous if you're on a treadmill in a, in a gym situation where there's mirrors, because if you look at yourself and you're not looking where you're going, you'll, you'll fall. And I think this is a big part of our problem. We think about our walk with God and we think about our life in general. We're so focused looking at ourselves, comparing ourselves to other people or other situations, other environments, and, we, and when we do that, we're looking at ourselves, we're looking at other people, and we're not looking at God, and we're not looking at what He has right in front of us, that's when we, that's when we get ourselves into trouble real quick. You can control your life, and you can improve your life and your walk with God. It's so easy for us to, to give up, and we believe that our circumstances just won't allow. You know, I'm just a product of my situation, and there's nothing... I can do about it. And I believe that the reason that 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 lie, argument, whatever you want to call it, I think the reason that that is so strong in our lives is because there's a hint of truth to it. Because there are things that we can't control. And there, there are things that happen to us and, and situations that, that we, we can't do anything about 
you know, the place that we found ourselves in. There's a ton of things in life that happen. But, but you do have more control over a lot of things than, and you definitely have the ability to improve your walk with God. And over the next couple of weeks, we've been in this series called Stay Faithful. And just continue to keep your eyes fixed on the Lord. That's why we've talked a lot about prayer. We, we've talked about, you know, fasting and giving things up and, and really focusing back on where I need to be in relationship to Jesus and we're going we're gonna to talk about this theme of, uh, by looking at the story of Daniel in the Old Testament. Daniel's in this crazy situation. If you've read the book, if you haven't read it, I really encourage you this week, maybe go home and, and read that. Read the Old Testament book of Daniel. Really cool, cool account. But uh, when, if you've been around church for very long, maybe you've been in Sunday school or whatever, if you hear the name Daniel, probably you're thinking of one story in particular. That'd be Daniel in the lion's den, which is a great, which is a great account, and, uh, and we'll talk about that in a few weeks. But there is so much more to the story of Daniel than, than just Daniel in the lion's den, as it talks about God's provision and protection. But it's a story of a man and his three friends. We know them, or we call them Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they were holding on to hope. And staying faithful in a, in a situation when, with circumstances that were hopeless. And this is what was happening at the time. It was about 600 B.C. Okay, about 600 years before Jesus hits the scene. There's a guy, really bad, bad, bad guy, king named King Nebuchadnezzar, who decided one day he's going into Jerusalem. We're going to take everything over. Jerusalem or the southern kingdom of Israel. He said, we're just going to take it over. And, and not only did they go in and, you know, just, just take everything, they took objects out of the temple, and they were, they were just really uh, trying to take their traditions. It's an early form of cultural appropriation, and Daniel is one of the captives. He's one of the people that they, they come in and take. Uh, they, they're just taking it all, and they want to take everything they can from him. You ever feel like culture's trying to take everything from you? You know, we, we deal with that, you, you know, you may feel that way, but that's what actually happened with Daniel. We can learn something from him and even taking control of our own life and our walk with God in the midst of it. So here's what it says in Daniel 1, beginning in verse 1. It says that during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. And the Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Azpenaz, his chief of, of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who were brought to Babylon as captives. So Nebuchadnezzar is a really nasty guy. I mean, he's, he's, he's as bad as they come. And what he's doing, he wants to totally destroy the culture of Israel. He, he wants to take everything from them, their traditions and, and, and everything that they, they held even in a religious sense, things from the temple. They want to take over completely and they want to impose their own values upon them and kind of replace it. It's, they, they want to capture some of the young men from these prominent families. The next verse says, verse 4, he says, I want you to select... Only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men. And make sure that they're well-versed in every branch of learning, that they're gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and they're suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language 
and the literature of Babylon. What's, what's going on here? They want to reprogram them. This is like a re-education program. We want to come in, we're going to take the best and the brightest, some of the leaders in the community, and we're going to put them in a, you know, kind of an executive training program, if you will. We're going we're gonna to feed them the best food from the king and the best food and wine, and, and we're going we'll to make sure that they're smart because they need to learn our language, learn our traditions, learn our values, and then they're going to be up in the upper echelons of leadership and, you know, of their own people. So he, that's what they're trying to, to get to happen. So, and so he says, bring these, these guys to me, and Daniel is selected along with three of his friends. Verse 5 says, the king assigned them a daily ration, of food and wine from his own kitchens. And they were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. It's a true story. Sometimes fact is stranger than fiction. That kind of sounds like a movie, but I just want to pause here for a moment because some of you are feeling the squeeze just like these guys were. You think there's, there's really nothing I can do about my situation. You know, something bad's happened to me or has happened in my life, and, and I'm stuck where I am. And I can't make any positive changes uh, in my life. I can't make any positive changes in my relationship with God. You know, it's at, at the beginning of the year, we always do that. A lot of us, we're making resolutions. Or we're making goals. We're setting goals. And we say, okay, I want to grow spiritually. Or I want to grow my professional life, my personal life. whatever, make these changes. And we quickly give up because we, we encounter a little, bit of, a little bit of a rub, a little bit of pressure, a little bit of opposition. And, and we just kind of throw our hands up and say, well, this is why I can't, this is why nothing ever goes my way. You look at, you look at Daniel and these three guys, in just, this, just these few verses, looking at their story, they've, they've had, I mean, they've been totally overwhelmed. Their, their, their culture's being taken over, their, their homeland, and, and they've been captured and said, okay, you're going to be put into a training program now where we're going to impose our values on you and strip everything away. We want you to forget who you are. You know, I think about our lives and, and our situations. Maybe you think, well, I don't have, there's, there's no time, there's no energy, I've got too many responsibilities. Maybe you even blame genetics. I'm not built for this. I don't have the genes for it. And you, you just think we're at the mercy of our circumstances. If we're going to break free from that, the, the first thing we've got to do is really probably most importantly, if we're going to stay faithful to what God wants to do in your life, this is the first thing you've got to do. You have to know your identity. You have to know who you are. In this record, in this account, the Babylonians taking over Jerusalem. They take Daniel, his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were not actually their names. That's what we call them. You grew up in Sunday school like I did. I, you know, isn't that what their names were? That's not the names that their parents gave them. Those are not the names that they had before God, you know, and their identity. This was a power grab by the Babylonians to change them. To make them forget who they were and to forget who their God was. Verses 6 and 7 says that Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah were four of the young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. And the chief of staff renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. And Azariah was called Abednego. Daniel, uh, his name in Hebrew means God is my judge. 
Like the real God, our God. God is my judge. But they try to change his name to Belteshazzar, which means Bel protects his life. Bel, a false god that they, that they worshipped. Hananiah means Yahweh has been gracious. But the name that the Babylonians try to give him, Shadrach, it means command of the moon god. It's another false, false, entity, false deity. Mishael, his, his Hebrew name, it meant who is like God. Like Who is like our God? He's, he's so great. The, the name they try to give him, Meshach, means who is what Aku is. And Azariah means God has helped. But the name they gave him, it means Abednego, means servant of Nabu. I'll tell you, the same thing happens today. This, this is happening right now. Our culture, they want to look at me and you and they want to say, well, you, okay, you're not, really, you're not really a Christian, you know, okay, maybe you're, you're a Jesus freak or you're, you're, you're a religious wingnut. Or, you know, or they want to try to pigeonhole you and say, well, what are you? Are you, you know, which side of the aisle do you land? Are you, are you Republican or are you Democrat? That's your identity. Are you, are you red or are you blue? Are you, uh, are you, uh, you know, what are you, liberal or are you conservative? Are you, uh, are you vaccinated or are you unvaccinated? Those are not identities, folks. Those are not, they're not identities. That's not who we are. But that's what culture wants. They, they want to put you, where can we file you away? Which, which side are you on? Let me tell you who you are. If, if you're a follower of Jesus, your identity is you're forgiven. You, you're, you're made new. You're, you're the bride of Christ. You're his church. You know, we we're followers of, G, of Jesus. You're a new creation. You've got to know your identity, that you're a child of God. And that, that, that's first and foremost. And culture is going to get you to forget that. You're a child of God. You're accepted. Those are biblical statements. That's who the, the Bible, that's what God's Word says that you are. You've got to find your identity in the Word of God. You're not going to find it on Fox News or CNN. They cannot tell you who you are. They're going to try. They want to, they want to tell you who you are. But you've got to know. And, and, and you, there's, so, there's caused so much strife right now. Some of, as much as some of us may not want to hear this, we can all agree that our world is a mess and our country is divided and people are just backbiting and we don't know but nobody wants to do about it nobody knows what do we do it's because we've forgotten who we are we don't know who we are jesus said in matthew 15 8 these people they honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me i go to church on sunday and i say amen there was a good point oh amen and then i go right back to the poison wells for a drink instead of going to the springs of life to find out who i am from the lord do you ever really stop and think who has God created me to be? When he took the time and he knitted me together in my mother's womb and he, and he made me on purpose, why? And who am I called to be? What has he called me to be? Do we, do we ever pause for a moment and think about that? Here's the second thing. You've got to know who you are. In, in Daniel's story, the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted him to forget that. He wanted him to totally forget who he was. His name meant God is my judge. He, he wanted that out of, his, out of his system. The second thing I'll tell you right now, and this is, this is not popular. Nobody likes this. This is, this is a bad word. I'm going to use a cuss word up here right now. A big old D word that everybody hates. But you've got to know your disciplines. 
You've got to know your disciplines. You've got to know your identity and you've got to know your disciplines. What do you do to keep yourself healthy? If you're going to stay faithful, if you're going to be faithful to the Lord and who he's called you to be, what are the things in your life that you're doing on purpose, with intention? Not just letting life happen to me, but me happening to my life. What do you do to stay sharp spiritually, physically, mentally, emotionally, What are the rhythms that you have in place that is making your life better? One of the things I've challenged you with, and it was true, the 21-day challenge, is that you can do this. You can do this. You have the time. The 21-day thing, it wasn't about just some weird little game where, okay, today, what are we giving up on the wheel of sacrifice? Oh, we're giving up Facebook. Okay, well, I'll try to see how long I can go, and then I'm supposed to think about Jesus for some reason. That's not what it was. It was about showing us that we have the time. We can make the space for this, and it was about showing us we can do it, and my challenge for you is to, if I could challenge you with one thing that you think about this year is, would you be a person who reads the Bible, like actually reads it? Not having it read to you or not, not just coming to church and, well, I'll just hear whatever the preacher says about it. But that you're actually a person of the word. That you're in the word. And that you're a person of prayer that says, I, I'm going to make time to talk to the Lord and make time to listen to the Lord. Because faithfulness to God is something that's very countercultural. And Daniel makes a bold decision in the middle of his situation. In a culture that was going the way the king wanted it to go. Daniel said, no, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm not going to do the things that you want me to do. He was in this training. He's in this re-education program where he's supposed to eat and drink the king's food and wine for three years. I imagine that that was the point of that. There's speculation on why they did that. But my opinion is I think it was to get them to get used to that way of life. Like, hey, here's the best food, here's the best wine, here's all the things that we want you to forget about your, yourself. Man, it, what you had, your history wasn't so great. Look at this, this is great, this is better, and we want you to embrace our false gods and our way of life and all these lies and wash it down with some great wine and, and eat the best food. Verse 8 says that, that Daniel was determined, you got to underline that word in your mind, he was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. And he asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, he said, well, I'm afraid of my lord the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, who's ordered that you eat this stuff. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. We learn a lot from Daniel in these passages. Just a lot of really good stuff here. Even with an enormous amount of pressure for him to cave on all sides. He's got pressure coming from the top. He's got pressure coming from the, you know, all these, these other people. His pressure for his life. He says, I'm determined to stay faithful to God. And I said there's some debate over why, why, why couldn't he eat the food and the wine of the king. You know, what's wrong with that? Why didn't he just eat it and drink it? Well, and, and people are on different sides. I, I personally believe it's because Daniel knew that they were trying to wine and dine him. And he said, I'm not doing it. 
I'm not, I can't be bought. He says, I'm not buying this. I'm not going to become accustomed to this lifestyle and abandon my faith and my God. So he made a choice and he was determined to make a change. It says there in chapter 1 that Daniel and the, the three others, they ate only vegetables and drank only water for 10 days. And as a result of that, it says, at the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. And verse 17 says that God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. That is my point. I believe that because, because Daniel was devoted and he was determined to be faithful. So I'm not going to I'm not going to go, I'm not going to Turn to the side. I'm not going to forget what God has spoken to me because he said, I, I'm absolutely laser-focused on who I am. I know my identity. I know my disciplines. God blessed him. God blessed him and blessed his life as a result of that. He took the right steps and God took care of the rest. Why is it that we believe that the right steps aren't worth taking? Why do we believe that? Why, why do we believe that it's just that the payoff won't be there? It's just not worth the effort. We're, you know, we're spending so much time right now talking about public health, public health, public health. You know, whether you've had a shot or two or three or four or whatever, you know what we haven't been talking about? How about this? Dr. John Abramson said recently, 80% of your health, 80% of your health is determined by how you live your life. You know what that means? It means you're not a victim. Of what's happening out there. You're not a victim of what's happening. 80%. 80%. Those are pretty good odds. 80% of your health is dictated by your choices. In other words, you choose your life. You choose the steps. And I believe that more than 80% of your spiritual life is determined by your choices. So if you're feeling distant from God, it's not because, well, some stuff happened. And I couldn't do anything about it. It's because we haven't built any disciplines into our life. What if, we, what if we changed some of our choices? Instead of looking for ways to escape our life or just pass the time, what if we were more intentional? What if we were more, uh, more, more direct about spending time with the Lord? Don't we believe that God would bless that effort? If I took the right steps, don't we believe it? Just like with Daniel, that if I said I'm determined... I'm determined to do the right things. Don't we believe God would take care of us? That he would bless that? Life's about choices. You ever wonder about the choices we make every day? I sure hear a lot of people talk about how busy they are. That's like, it's like our favorite thing to talk about. I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm so slammed. I don't have any time for church because I'm too busy. I don't have any time for scripture I don't have any time to read because I'm just, whew, i got to read all these reports every day. I don't have any time to, to worship. I don't have any time to exercise. I don't have any time to take my kids out for some quality time. I don't have any time to date my spouse. You know, everything's falling apart at home, but I, I don't have any time to do anything about it because I, I'm just so busy. But you know what we, we do have time for? We make all kinds of time for consuming media. I Googled it. I Googled, this is spooky, I Googled how much, I just, you can go home and Google it, I, I just put in there, how, how much media did we consume in 2021? Can we see the results of that? 
The average U.S. adult estimated to be around 666 minutes a day. That's kind of a scary number. Everybody's worried about the mark of the beast. Now, I'm not ready to say the media is the mark of the beast, but you can read it for yourself. That's over 11 hours a day. Over 11 hours a day, and you think, oh, but that's not me. Just start thinking about what you do as soon as you get home from work. And what do you do when you're staying up late at night? And what do you do first thing in the morning? And what do you do on lunch break? And what do you do when you're scrolling your phone? What do you do? And you just start thinking about it, and it's added up. You know, there's apps that can track all that. I, I believe that probably almost every one of us would fall right in that category. Around 11 hours a day consuming media. What a time waste. What a time waste. But we don't have time for anything positive. We don't have time to spend with our kids. We don't have time to spend with our family. We don't have time to pursue what God wants me to pursue. I don't have any time to do any of the things I need to do. If you're spending 11 hours a day consuming media in some form, you're going nowhere. You're going to go nowhere spiritually. You're going to go nowhere physically. You're going to go nowhere emotionally. You're wasting your life. A few weeks ago, I was kind of talking about this, and Ed Morris, one of our deacons, he came up to me right after the, the sermon. He said, you know, I wanted to show you this. And he said, you know, you were talking a year or so ago about rhythms and like the, the things that we do in our life and that we're kind of, you know, we need to take control of our, of our spiritual walk, right? I mean, nobody can do it for us. We have to do it. And he said, I'll show you. That really convicted me, and he pulled out his phone. He said, he's got this Bible app, and he said, ever since you said that, every day I got about th- a 30-minute drive to work. And he says, so every day I pull that app up and I have it Bluetoothed in my car and I read the, the scripture of the day. There'll be a couple verses or something. Just, I'll read it and they always have a video of some pastor, some teacher, Bible teacher, kind of explaining that verse and talking about it and giving some life application stuff. So he says, every day on my 30-minute drive to work, I listen to that. And he showed me, I was funny, he says, look, I've got the streak. It was like two years he's been doing it without, without missing, without failing. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. It's, it's finding the rhythms. It's how, can I, how can I redirect a little bit of that time onto something else? How can I take the time that God's given me? And do you, do you realize if we spent just some of that 11 hours, just some of that 11 hours that we waste on, on this stupid stuff, if we just spent, say, 40 minutes of it, if you took 40 minutes of that 11 hours and read the Bible every day, you'd read the entire Bible in 90 days. But you don't, you don't even have to spend 40 minutes. If you spend four minutes, just any time, just a little bit of time, what would happen if I spent an hour a day, if I just basically gave up one block, like one hour, and, and said, okay, I'm not going to just sit and, and listen to some garbage coming out and being spewed at me, and I'm just going to go exercise. I'm just going to take care of the, the, the temple of the Holy Spirit that God has given me only one of, and he said, honor God with, my, with this body. Okay, I'm going to do that. What would happen? I don't care what shape you're in. You'd be in peak physical condition this time next year if you did that but what about what about uh pursuing a, a second language you could master a second language just by spending an hour a day over the next year or or a, a new art an instrument whatever you could you could master it if we refocused just a little bit of that time and just think if we just spent it with the lord what could happen what would he do in our lives what would he do in our community in our families in our marriages, in our church, if instead of taking my cues from what's being directed at me on television or on social media, wherever, if I just, if I just turned it off 
Like Daniel said, I'm, I'm determined not to defile my mind. I'm determined not to, not to go along with this crowd, what you say I should be doing. I'm determined to be faithful to my God. I want more of him in my life. Letting the very word of God saturate your mind, saturate your heart, and saturate your spirit to give you the life you actually want. A life closer to God, a life that actually works. So let's learn from Daniel. We're going to spend a couple of weeks just looking at his life a little bit more, looking at his story because it really is a, it's a story of faith. It's a story of hope. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you, if you've heard them, you know they're the guys that were thrown into a fiery furnace. The king, they said, the king has said, this is, this is what you're going to do. You're going to bow down and you're going to do the things that I want you to do. You're going to worship the gods that I want you to serve. And they said, listen, we are not going to do that. We are determined not to do the things that you say that we have to do. And, he's, and, and it's, they, there's that great line in there that says, you know, you, you may throw us in the furnace, but we believe that our God will rescue us. But even if he does not, we still won't bow down to your gods. I would, I would pray that we'd have that kind of faith and that kind of resolve. To say, I'm, I'm determined. I've got my mind set that I'm going to be faithful to my Lord no matter what that means, no matter what it looks like. And like Daniel, he, he felt oppressed. He felt like he was under judgment from other people. He was stuck in a situation that he was not happy with under Babylonian rule. It was not ideal by any stretch. And yet he took control of his life. He dealt with the things that he could deal with. And he trusted the Lord no matter what. Can we be those kind of people? That's my challenge for you today. So I, I hope that as you just spend some time, you know, we've got to digest a little bit. You know, take in, that's a lot of scripture to take in. It's a, it's a big story. But I hope as we, as we think through that, as we let it work on our hearts a little bit, that we, that we would say to the Lord, how, how God can, can we move forward in this life? What, where do you want us? Who, who do you want us to be? What is my identity? What are the disciplines that I've got to incorporate into my everyday life? I hope that you'll think about that today. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks for so many blessings around us. But it's, it's hard, God, because we get, we get distracted by, by so many things that are pulling us in different directions. And Lord, I know that there, there's a lot of people here today and, and even those that aren't here today that we, we feel real torn we, we live in a world that's pulling us around and, and there's a lot, of, a lot of problems that we can't fix and, and people that we can't control and there's, there's, just, there's just things that we just don't know what to do with. But Lord, I, I pray that you would help us, that you deal with us individually. Help us to know who we are and we are your children. That we've been called by you for a great purpose. Lord, help us to to follow you and to really learn what it means to take the right steps. What are the things that we need to avoid? And Lord, what are the things that we need to pursue? I, I ask God that you'd help us, that you'd set that into our hearts today to help us to, to come back to you again and again and again and asking you to show us what are the things we should avoid and what are the things that we need to pursue. Help us to pursue Jesus, and it's in his name I pray. Amen.
Well, God bless you guys. See you next week.